Hello, everybody. This is Don't Read Into It. I'm your host, Noelia, and this is the podcast where I review movies, TV shows, and books. All right, so this week is obviously special because it's the first episode of Don't Read Into It podcast, aka Drip with Two Eyes. But it's also special because Halloween is coming up and I've gathered some spooky picks to review. A little bit about me, I am the managing editor for The Tower, but last semester and the semester before, I was the arts and entertainment editor, and I did a little bit of film review, TV show review, and one <laughs> kind of book review. Don't look for it. It wasn't really a book review. So I, I just really kind of started to like reviewing entertainment and stuff like that. So I figured this would be a cool podcast to have and just like kind of talk to you guys like we were, you know, friends just after watching a movie or a TV show or reading a book. That's pretty much it. But I will say there is kind of a sub theme to this episode. I didn't do it on purpose. Uh, it's haunted houses. I really didn't do it on purpose. And it's not really haunted houses. Well, I guess it is. Let's just leave it at that. Okay, so before we get started, I'm just going to give a little bit of context to what this episode is going to look like. The first part, around the first 15 minutes, is going to be about a film that I watched. The second 15 minutes are going to be about a TV show that I watched, and the last 15 minutes are going to be about a book I read. I know I said 15 minutes, but some of these might go a little bit over or a little bit under. That's just kind of the rough estimate. So without further ado, I'm going to play a little bit of the audio for the trailer of the movie I'm going to review, just so you guys can get a little bit of a sneak peek and see what the tone of the movie is a little bit like through just a couple of seconds. So yeah, let's get right into it. We're going to start the count. Good luck. This first film I did originally watch in theaters uh, a year ago in 2019 so I guess a year and a half ago and I really liked it when I first saw it but I didn't necessarily walk out of it thinking like oh that that was like a great movie and then I watched it again and I was like whoa there's a lot to unpack there anyway the movie's called ready or not you've probably heard of it actually you know what maybe you haven't because I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this movie and it kind of shocks me because it was really unique and really fun to watch anyway It was directed, I'm going to butcher these names, I'm very sorry. It was directed by Matt Bettinelli, Alpen, Alpen, and Tyler Gillette. And the screenplay was written by Guy Busick and Ryan Murphy. You've probably heard of Ryan Murphy. He did like Glee, American Horror Story. He has like four new TV shows on Netflix. Kind of taking the Netflix world by storm. He's got a lot of money, man. Anyway, this movie is about a family. They're called Le Damas, the Le Damas family. Eh, that might be French. I don't really know. Me, like, learning French on Duolingo, and, like, I don't know how to pronounce his simple last name. Anyway, uh, the family is really famous, and they're rich. Their house is huge, and they're rich because one of their ancestors built this fortune based on a card game and, like, puzzles, and basically they're really famous games. And the family's so rich, and this girl, her name is Grace, ends up marrying one of the boys in this family. His name is Alex. He's, like, kind of the most normal person in the family, it seems like, especially in the first act. But before we get to meet, like, our main characters, we kind of see a clip of this little boy named Daniel who is in his family mansion, running around, like, screaming. And then 
somebody's like killing someone. It's really, really kind of confusing at first, but basically he tells his family like there's somebody over there and that person ends up dying. I think his name was Charles, but it was like a man and Daniel tells his family like, hey, that man is over there. Go kill him. And then Daniel's mom is like, I am proud of you. Anyway, uh, then we cut to Alex and Grace getting married. And this family's kind of weird, but, you know, rich people are kind of like that. Like, really rich people. They're just out of touch, you know? No offense. I guess offense. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, they get married. It's lovely. The family's there. Creepy. There's, like, something off about them, right? Except the mom is kind of cool. Like, she's really nice to Grace. And... She was, like, one of my favorite people in the beginning during the wedding because, like, the grandma was being weird and just, like, staring weirdly. So after the wedding, they go to this, like, fancy room where there's, like, animal heads and guns on the wall. And they sit, I think it was at, like, a round table, which doesn't matter, but in my head it matters. And they are just kind of talking and they're like oh we have to participate in this tradition and they basically just are like we're gonna play a game kind of i know the word doesn't consummate but you know what i mean to make the wet the marriage like official and every member draws a card they'll like they're supposed to draw a card if they're like marrying into the family right and so grace draws the hide and seek card and she's like haha silly and the family kind of reacts weirdly to it right i'm not gonna spoil it but they do play hide and seek but before they play grace like goes back to the guest room she's staying in with alex and alex is like you have to hide like he's just being really grave about the situation and grace is like haha silly silly and i they take it really seriously and he's like grace you have to take this game seriously like you have to do everything you can to not be caught she's like okay whatever alex and so she's like he he ha ha running around in her wedding dress still that's the kicker of it all but anyway so she hides in this weird like laundry chute maybe i don't i really cannot be bothered to know exactly what it was but it was basically like a hole in the wall and then she like overhears family members talking and they end up saying something like, we have to get her or something like that. And like, the mom is like, man, I really liked her. Like, this is so sad. And they were like carrying guns. Anyway, I'll leave it at that so I don't spoil anything. Because that was the first act. That's like a rule, okay? And I need everyone to understand. If I say something that happened in the first act, it's not a spoiler, okay? It's a premise. It's part of the premise and I have to explain it. Anyway. <laughs> so basically, that's what the whole movie's about, right? And I thought it was really good. It's this like horror, almost comedy. And that's where, I'm not going to lie, all of the pitfalls of the screenplay fall in like this like comedy area. Because I'm like, Ryan Murphy, stop trying to be funny. You know what I mean? Like you had Glee, you had your moment in the sun, enough. You know, and it was horribly, I love Glee. It's like one of my favorite shows. But it's like horribly insensitive. So, you know, he's walking a fine line here. So yeah, some of the some of the lines of dialogue, I'm like... Yeah. Are you trying to be funny or like, is this, is this ironically said? I don't know. Anyway, the moral of the story, in my opinion, is don't trust what you see. Like everything is a facade. A sub moral of the story is rich people are crazy, especially like old money rich people. Anyway, 
the cinematography was really cool i think it was just like a big budget production like i wouldn't call this an indie or anything and the cast was pretty good grace the lady that plays grace samara weaving oh my gosh she did so great she's australian she was you know doing this american accent i thought it was great the lighting okay this kind of bothered me the lighting in some scenes, especially when she's like kind of underground of the house, you'll know exactly what I mean if you see the movie. It's like very green, which I understand is like part of the horror genre. Is this like weird green lighting sometimes. Like Fight Club is literally all green. I know that's not horror, but you know what I mean. Anyway, <laughs> the, the lighting was interesting. Some choices were definitely made. The costuming, oh my god, her wearing that wedding dress, then wearing her Converse, ripping up the dress, everything. I'm telling you it was everything. Like, if you're not gonna watch the movie because you don't like the plot, you have to watch it just because of ripping her dress and like running. She also, there's this part of the movie where she gets trapped kind of in the middle of a fence and she's trying to get in the middle of it and it cuts her back. Her scream, I've never heard anything like it. It was like, it felt so real every time she screamed. And there's a point where she gets injured really badly. Oh, I really don't wanna spoil it. Okay. Basically, something happens to her hand and she uses the like open hole in her hand to leverage her way out of like a ditch kind of thing. It's unbelievable. And the scream, her face, her eyes, the sweat on her forehead, it was unbelievable. She did a great job. And I really think she was just so likable. The story was really original. It was fun to watch. I watched it the first time with my friend Julie, shout out Julie. The second time I watched it with my siblings and the third time I watched it alone. So I could rewatch it for this, but really incredible stuff. If I was to give it a rating, I think I did give it a rating. A rating. Let me see. Let me go. Oh, okay, wait. For those of you guys listening, not watching, I'm embarrassed. There's this website slash app. It's called Letterboxd. It's just spelled letterbox and then with a D at the end. And this is kind of where I like rate the movies I watch and I make I make lists but they're all like on private because I get really embarrassed I think I have some public ones though but anyway I have films I rate and I review and I'm trying to see I gave ready or not four stars which is a big deal because I throw out one stars half a star literally all the time joker one star the kissing booth two half a star <laughs> To all the boys I loved before, P.S. I Still Love You, half a star. The Social Dilemma, half a star. You know? Anyway, you should follow me on there. I don't know what my account name is, so I guess I should look for that. I think it's just Varus. Like, my last name, V-E-R-A-S. I don't know. Anyway, I do rate, like, movies I watch on there. So if you want to follow me on there, you might be able to see what I'm going to talk about in the next episode. If you are vigilant. Anyway, you should totally get one if you like movies. It's really fun to just go on there and see some people's reviews. Like, okay, I'm going to read some reviews for Ready or Not because I know there has to be like a funny one. Okay, (laughs) one of the reviews gave it two and a half stars (laughs) and it said Crazy Rich Caucasians. Somebody gave it three stars and said Samara Weaving's Aggressive Tropical Bird Scream. (laughs) added five years to my life this is exactly what i mean i didn't even know this comment was here like her like just watch it for her scream and like her ripping up her wedding dress i thought it was great yeah okay this i'm not gonna read this comment out loud because it kind of gives a spoiler but the ending there's a twist that's like definitely not 
expected and it's also not not scary <laughs> like I had to do a couple of Hail Marys after I watched it because I was like oh my god I'm scared I'm not even kidding you can ask my brother um or my friend Julie I think we did a Hail Mary together because I was really scared but that's a little bit of a disclaimer like if you're kind of scared of uh, I don't want to use the word demonic but like if you're scared of demonic stuff like eh, don't watch the last 10 minutes of the movie then but it was pretty fun anyway my time is up for reviewing the movie so <laughs> next one tv show okay i'm definitely gonna go over time on this i'm so sorry if this episode is long when i tell you me and my friends can't stop talking about this tv show i mean it to the point where it's like this has become canon <laughs> i know like it's impossible to become canon when it you know it literally came out probably not even a month ago but oh my gosh do you have to watch this tv show so this show <laughs> drumroll please is called the haunting of bly manor you heard that right that's the tv show i'm obsessed with right now it was created by mike flanagan who did create haunting of hill house they're kind of like sister series and this is just a brief disclaimer i haven't really seen the haunting of hill house like i watched the whole thing but I did fall asleep for probably 70% of it. So I'm re-watching that now. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't, I don't have enough of a taste of the TV show to tell you like whether one of them is better than the other. So I'm just not going to get there. Like I'm not going to point that out, you know, or say like one is better than the other. Because I simply do not know. I did not give Haunting of Hill House enough of a chance. And I did fall asleep. However, I will say episode two of The Haunting of Hill House is so good. I was talking to my friend about this the other day, but yeah. Like I was going to skip the first like three episodes because I've seen those episodes like twice. Because when I fell asleep, I just like went back and rewatched the whole thing. But then I fell asleep again. <laughs> but I, I don't think it's like as much of a love story as Bly Manor is or uh, it's more like a family thing. Anyway, so <laughs> the genre is this horror gothic mix uh, for a theme i have written down like you can't hold on to the past but there is just so much more than that okay so i'm just gonna explain to you guys what the haunting of bly manor is about basically we have this character her name is danny i think her full name is daniela but danny donnie anyway <laughs> she is uh oh my god what is that lady's name in real life victoria petrelli i think plays <laughs> you can like hear the clicking of my keyboard because i'm looking it up so danny is played by victoria padretti 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 she is in that horrible horrible show called you with gossip girl man um and she went to Carnegie mellon <laughs> uh that means nothing to probably anyone listening to this but i'm obsessed with Carnegie mellon she plays danny the main character and she's also in The Haunting of Hill House. She played, oh my god, what's her name? Like, Nell? Nellie? Yeah, they do recycle some of the characters from, well, some of the actors from The Haunting of Hill House. I did notice that. She's definitely one of them. Basically, it's it follows her as she becomes an au pair for a family in Bly. <laughs> I couldn't tell you where... I mean, it's in England, but I couldn't tell you where Bly is supposed to be. So I can't say the countryside of some place because I actually don't know. But I do know it's in England. They've all got British accents except Danny, which was nice. Except there's one point where Danny pretends to have a British accent. I thought it was great. 
<clears throat> so the beginning of the episode shows Danny auditioning, interviewing for the job. And the interview kind of goes really badly for her. But she does end up getting the job because literally nobody else wants the job because the last nanny died. Nanny au pair, it's used interchangeably in the in the TV show. I don't know if it's insulting to call an au pair a nanny. I guess like a live-in nanny is what I'm trying to say. But anyway, mad respect to anyone that takes care of children. That job is hard. So she goes to Bly Manor, meets the kids who mind you are the creepiest creepiest people in the show i don't care that i'm not gonna like spoil it or anything but there's this character that people have been saying is like this the scariest character i don't care those kids are scary by themselves like one of the kids her name is flora she's like uh perfectly splendid i'm like stop you're scaring me and i know it's supposed to be cute it's not it's just scary anyway the kids, their names are uh, Flora and Miles. Miles was at a boarding school because he kind of had behavioral problems, but their parents died and that's why they needed an au pair. And the parents didn't die like in the country. They like died abroad or something like that. And <laughs> the way I like don't have any information for you guys, whatever. So Danny is, gets along pretty well with the kids. They're like BFFs. But at night, the kids are like, do not go out of your room. And there's, at one point, they, like, lock her in the closet so she doesn't go downstairs. And she's like, what the heck? And basically, I think I'm going to stop there. The Actually, no, I have to explain two more things. Um, there are other characters in the house that, like, there's one character that lives in the house. Her name is Hannah. And she is the ugh, maid, I guess. Um, I kind of hate using that word. Because she's not really a mate. She just, like, cleans, you know. Um, but her and the kids are super, super close. And she's, like, I've I've talked about this. I think she's one of my favorite characters, if not my favorite. And she's super cool. She's the housekeeper. That's the word I was looking for. Then there's the gardener. Her name is Jamie. She is also one of my favorite characters. And there's the driver. No, the cook driver guy. His name is Owen, and he's the one that drives Danny to the house, but he's the cook, and he's really great, too. And, yeah, they get along really well, splendidly, if you will. But then we start hearing stories about the old au pair. Her name, ugh, what was her name? Give me a second. Her name was Rebecca Jessel, who allegedly killed herself. And then there was this other guy that was, like, in and out who formed like a romantic relationship with Rebecca Jessel aka Miss Jessel and he's the absolute worst his name is Peter Quint ew he's the worst character in the show and I have no shame saying that he's he just sucks like I I don't know what else to tell you he's like the epitome of toxic masculinity you know, Uncle Henry is the uncle. He's the person that gave Danny the job. He's really not on screen that much, but he is an important character. Then I think that's all I was going to say, right? Mm. Yes. Okay. That was all I was going to say. All of the background info. So I don't want to spoil anything else. So I'm just going to talk about like elements of the show. First of all, the the lighting was interesting. It was, I mean, like, it was the classic, like, we want to make this spooky thing. But sometimes I was like, did you really, did you really have to go that far into, like, making it not saturated literally at all? And, you know, some of it was just a little questionable. <laughs> um, but I do, like, there are some 
what I mean by that is like there are scenes like in the attic. I can't, there's no color in this, you know? Like there a scene ago when they were not in the attic, like the color red existed. And now the color red is like pastel. You know what I mean? Also some of the effects. Okay, let's talk about this. Um, some of the effects are a little questionable as well. There are scenes where like they take people's like face features away. Not the most convincing thing. And scenes where they try to make characters look sort of undead and they make like their teeth moldy and their eyes glossy. And it's just questionable. And like their face is veiny. It just looked like the Vampire Diaries to me, which is not a good thing. However, the performances were pretty great. Um, the one thing that kind of bothers me about Danny is more something that bothers me about Victoria Pedretti. Like her face sometimes is just so oh my gosh tell me on the instagram if you agree with this because her face sometimes i'm like are you having trouble breathing like are you pooping your hands <laughs> because they're just parts around, and she did an excellent job it's just like her face sometimes and i was like what are you doing with your face right now yeah i don't want to be rude though like she's beautiful but it was just some of her acting choices it's like okay <laughs> The way I would describe it is, like, her mouth is always open when she's upset or, like, crying. And she's, like, heaving. Like, actually heaving. I'm like, you're overselling it. But she did a great job either way. Jamie is by far the the best person in the show. She just has, like, a kind heart. She's kind of, like, cold at first. But then once you really get to know her, she's really nice. And I thought that was beautiful. She just, like, has a full circle moment. She ends up... I really love when TV shows do this. She ends up being like the main character. She was such a side character. And then by the last episode, she's literally the main character that we follow. I love that. I love when TV shows do that. It's like an underdog situation. And like, I don't want to hear about these kids ever again. Like they're literally so scary. I'm sure they're great, but they didn't feel great to me. In terms of uh, costuming, I do have to bring this up. Oh my gosh. Danny's outfits. Amazing. So it's set, I think, in the, the 1980s. And so Danny's outfits are all like pretty 1980s. Oh my gosh. There's one outfit. I think it's literally in the first episode where she's wearing like this purple sweater, like high waisted jeans, fun little white socks, and like darker boots. Oh my gosh. Unbelievable. Her outfits are literally killer. Also, her hair, like, she really owned it. She really owned this like 1980s moment additionally on top of all of this hannah gross's outfits the housekeeper oh my gosh her earrings i literally googled one of her earrings so that i could buy it she literally she killed it every time every single time without fail her outfits her earrings and another thing i should probably point out this is not just for like aesthetic purposes or like to date the movie hannah's outfits are really 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 important in terms of the continuity of the of the show and there's one episode in particular but the whole thing pretty much hops around time and you can't tell what point in time you're in unless you look at hannah's earrings or like the shirt that she's wearing you will literally not be able to keep up if you don't pay attention to what these people are wearing especially those two characters and honestly to um the other nanny from the past, it like jumps in time from when she was the au pair. And they're like, you have to pay attention to what she's wearing to know like the exact moment in time 
that she's in because the setting will change. It's not like time travel, but the setting will change, but the character will remain from their time that they were originally in. You'll know exactly what I mean if you've seen the TV show. You won't if you haven't, though. So just pay attention to their outfits um, because it helps a lot to ground the viewer in whatever time that they're in. Um, so yeah, it's not just for aesthetic purpose, even even though like those two characters have some great outfits. If I was to rate it, I think I would give it probably like a three and a half um, out of five. I see like I'm kind of a, a harsher critic of TV shows because I haven't seen as many like good TV shows. I don't know. My knowledge is more limited when it comes to TV shows and movies, even though I am pretty harsh um, with movies unless they like really <laughs> mean something to me like I don't know Twilight <laughs> every episode I'm going to mention Twilight like I just I can't help myself anyway or like the Hunger Games <laughs> anyway I promise I have good taste but the thing with tv shows is yeah I've already seen the best tv show of all time Fleabag so comparing everything to that it's pretty hard so I give it a three and a half um, I loved it though. That doesn't mean it's not good. It just like there are some things that were missing. For I I will mention them actually. Some things that I think we could have done without were some of the more I don't know like all of the <laughs> this is literally my bias showing. I don't like Peter Quint. I don't want to see him roaming around like. I don't want to I don't want to know anything about his background. I don't care. I literally don't care. It didn't make me empathize with him more, and I think it just took up screen time. Like I literally think it was a waste of time. Also, I oh, you know what I will say is really good about the show that I think like really really made me like it. There was an episode that went back in time like way back in time and it was like proper gothic era it kind of gave a history to the house and i thought that was really fitting i think the tv show would not have been the same without that episode it was like an episode and a half pretty much and it was towards the end i think i think there's nine episodes and it was like episode seven and eight or something like that i don't know but it was it was proper gothic it was amazing i really loved it and the characters there were like real characters it wasn't like showing the house deteriorating over time like it was actually I got attached to these characters from the past I mean it made me really understand the house more which I thought was awesome anyway I have a lot of critiques of the show though mainly uh Danny's facial expressions Peter Quint existing and Uncle Henry I was really disappointed by him I thought he deserved more of a redemption arc and I don't know if we're getting another season. Are you looking for a better way to connect with members of the CUA community? Are you behind on the university happenings? Check out SIDPOD, the podcast where your community directors share what is going on in their daily lives and talk about the important things happening in residence life and the university in general. Get the staff's perspective on things and join in the conversation with your own ideas. We're so excited to be working in collaboration with WCUA. New episodes are posted every Wednesday, so be sure to check back for new episodes every week. Moving on. Book. This, now this, is going to take a lot of information to be given to you guys. So, the book I'm talking about this week is called Mexican Gothic. 
just to kind of recap, like the movie and the TV show that I talked about, obviously it's very obvious they're in a haunted house, okay? Like the whole thing, and haunted is kind of like a a loose term I'm using. It It's kind of like the house is a character in and of itself. In Ready or Not, the house is like the main landscape, which either saves or ruins um, Grace. Like she utilizes the different aspects of the house to hide herself, to fight back, to like really defend herself and save her own life. And in the TV show, in The Haunting of Fly Manor, the name of the of the TV show is literally based on the house that it's set in. Like the house is a character in and of itself because it it dictates so much of what the characters do, so much of what they say, so much of what they think, and it grounds the the story in one setting. In this book, however, the book I'm talking about is Mexican Gothic. It's by Mexican-Canadian author Silvia Moreno-Garcia. And the house is kind of one of those things that is purposely thinly veiled. So some weird things are happening in the house, but you don't really feel like the house is up to something until closer to halfway through the book. So this book is about this girl. Her name is Noemi Taboada. And she lives in Mexico City, I'm pretty sure. She's a city girl, she's rich, she's kind of like this bold woman living in the city, dating around, having fun, going to parties. And it's set in 1950, kind of like that decade actually, not the specific year that 1950, I'm not actually sure. But yeah, so it's set in the 1950s and it's really glamorous at first. When I picked it up, I was like, wow. This is so dreamy. And that kind of adjective follows it throughout the entire book. Like it's literally just dreamy. It feels like I'm in a dream at first because it's so glamorous and later because it's so, oh my gosh. The the word I'm looking for is literally just dreamlike. You feel like you're sleepwalking through this book in a good way. In a, in a way that you're like, I have no idea what's going on and I'm scared, but I need to figure it out. And the guide is Noemi and she like, she literally guides you through the book and oh my gosh, I haven't liked a main character in a book like this in so long. She She's just great. But basically, Noemi lives in Mexico City and her cousin, who she's really close to, Catalina, writes her. And she writes her a letter and she's like, I really need help. Like, it's super distraught. The letter is like, <laughs> it sounds like she's crazy a little bit. And she thinks that her husband, Virgil Doyle, is trying to kill her, like poisoning her and really just like trying to murder her and Noemi's dad is like you got this letter like I don't I don't know what to do this is really freaking me out and Noemi's like I'll go to it's called High Place where like the house I think is called High Place and it's located in the mountains and so she's like okay I'm gonna go there I'm gonna leave my life behind and just go over there something you should know about her though is she's kind of uh, a little bit scattered in what she wants to do with her future. She at first wanted to just be like a rich girl and stuff like that. And then she had aspirations to go to school. So while this first part is happening, she's in university and she's studying, I think, anthropology. And so she's like actually putting her life on hold to go help her cousin Catalina. But she changes her mind so much that her dad doesn't really think it's a problem. He's just like, you can go. You literally don't you don't even care. Like, you always change your mind. It's fine. You know, you're going to change your mind again. It doesn't matter. Whatever. So there's not really that emphasis on education for her. It's kind of just a pastime. 
um, according to her father, but definitely not according to her. And this is kind of a peek at how Mexico worked at the time. Like only really rich girls could go to university. And even then they still weren't taken seriously, which I think is really cool that it's included in the book, but not specifically said, oh, this is why people don't think Naomi's taking university seriously. But anyway, so she packs her bags, she goes to High Place, and she sees that Catalina is, like, <laughs> super sick, bedridden, and not really herself. And she's begging her cousin, like, you have to go to this healer, she lives in the village, and you have to get me, like, this medicine. And he's like, okay, but, like, the people that live in the house, the Doyle home, are very strict about her leaving the house, coming into the house. Virgil... Um, Catalina's husband's sister is really, really, really annoying. Like, actually the most annoying character in the book. And she's, like, very strict. She doesn't let Noemi use the car. She's like, you have to tell me exactly what you're doing, when you're doing. They don't let Noemi smoke in the house. And they're very, like, rigid about a lot of stuff. They all have to have dinner together but Naomi eats breakfast by herself, and they're just like very serious rules. And one thing that I think was so interesting was that one of the biggest rules was that you can't talk while you're having dinner, which is weird because in Latin American culture, like it is so normal. It's like the norm to talk while you're eating, to have like full-blown conversations, and then after you're done eating, continue to talk. Like that's just like normal, so... That also reveals a cultural thing because the Doyle family isn't historically Mexican. The Doyle family is from England um, because they have roots in Mexico, right? But the entire ancestry is from, is they're like British, right? And so they speak Spanish and everything, but in the house they speak English because that's like their native tongue. And they all know how to speak Spanish, but there's one guy in particular, his name's Francis, who Naomi becomes really close friends with, who speaks Spanish to her. And he tells her, there are like weird moments in the book where Francis will be like, you can't trust my family. And she's like, bruh, that's your family. And he's like, no, you can't trust my family. Whenever you talk to me, talk to me in Spanish because they can't understand Spanish. Like they're, they're listening. Like the house listens is what he always says. And she's like, wow, this guy's kind of weird. But he's also like this kind of almost even ghostly guy he's described as super pale frail and very quiet like his his um mannerisms are very gentle he's not the most like open but he becomes really close with noami she's like teaches him to be bold and braver and it's i love their friendship it's like one of the things that kept me reading the book however virgil is a creepy creepy man and he, like, flirts with Naomi, even though he's married to her cousin. Like, ugh, it's literally nasty. But Virgil's father is even creepier, if you can, like, picture that. And he's super sick. Like, he's literally rotting. Like, his skin is rotting. It's described disgustingly in the book. I had to skip it. Basically, he has some sort of fungal infection, like, all over his body. And... I just, I just need you guys to understand, like, if you don't like the word fungal or the word spores or anything that has to do with mushrooms and rotting things, don't read this book. <laughs> it is described in detail how things are, like, rotting. And, yeah, I 
the one thing I will say is this book is really unbelievable. Like there's um this huge, ginormous plot twist that I did not see coming. I thought this is just going to be a story about a girl and her cousin trying to save her, like trying to get out of the house. No, that is not what this is. There's some elements of like her trying to like get Catalina away from the house, but it is so much more than that. Like the house literally turns on Noemi. That's not a spoiler. Like I'm being serious. The it's oh my gosh it's a literally so insane i wish i could tell you what happens just read the book it's really short it's like 320 pages the font is really big it's a beautiful book the cover is beautiful you have to look it up it's uh, anyway <laughs> it's really original i've never read anything like it i've never even heard anything a story even close to this and it came out really really recently it came out this year, I think in September, ugh, this book was so good. And uh, she, on the Wikipedia page, it says that she's compared to like Guillermo del Toro, which is, he's like one of my favorite directors. He directed The Shape of Water. He directed um, Pan's Labyrinth, which is one of my favorite movies. You know, he's been a part of a lot of movies. He won Best Director, I think, for The Shape of Water. But for sure, he won Best, best Picture. Well, I guess a producer won Best Picture. But The Shape of Water won Best Picture in 2017, I think. Even though, ugh, I need to look that up. It might have been 2018. Because I'm pretty sure Moonlight and La La Land was like that whole debacle in 2017 anyway yeah super super cool that she's been compared to him it's like very flattering i think for her probably i mean i don't know but i would be so flattered if somebody compared me to guillermo del toro but it's true i think there are a lot of elements that you know are very integral to just mexican culture since they're both mexican and uh, it's just so beautiful the way that some things are just illustrated and it's very cinematic some of the some of the scenes that are just written i'm just like oh this is so dreamy like that's the i know i keep saying that but it's the only word i can use to describe this book in a succinct way otherwise i will talk about it for hours so the moral of this story is to look deeper into your surroundings to not necessarily trust everyone and to always keep an eye out for creepy men that is one of the biggest things in this book and there are some moments where the author is trying to like lure you in and be like it's okay that he's a little creepy he's just mysterious no okay virgil awful the whole time him and howard his dad oh my gosh and his sister they're the worst like they're villains through and through and i think the reason that they're so villainous is because they have that side of them all of them do but especially virgil has that side of him where he's like empathetic and sweet and even a little bit charming i guess and you know what they say about charming psychopath so anyway, I really like this book. I gave it a five out of five. I thought it was great. I, that's another thing you should know about me though. I'm really, really not that harsh when it comes to books. I don't know why. I just enjoy the experience so much usually. Ugh, oh my gosh, it's so great. I really recommend you read this book. Obviously, I recommend you watch Ready or Not and The Haunting of Bly Manor. But this book is just like really going to get you in the mood for like halloween and something just like out of the normal experience i know that i said ready or not and the haunting of blind manor are really unique but this book i don't think i will i think she could create a whole movement the author on like what the plot of this book was about because it was so interesting but 
I really think it's one of the most unique books I've ever read in my life. And I really recommend it. And I think it was a great little Halloween pick. So to finish off this discussion about Mexican Gothic, I'm going to read two quotes from the book that I really liked. Maybe three. Let's just see how I feel. For the first one, it reads... The future, she thought, could not be predicted, and the shape of things could not be divined. To think otherwise was absurd, but they were young that morning, and they could cling to hope, hope that the world could be remade kinder and sweeter. And the other one reads, One could construct a hundred different narratives. It didn't make them true. I really like that one. And lastly, I think this one's really interesting in the talk that I heard earlier about feminism in 1950s Mexico. And this quote reads, Noemi's father said she cared too much about her looks and parties to take school seriously, as if a woman could not do two things at once. So yeah, that's all I've got for you guys today. I had a lot of fun doing this episode. I know I say um and like a lot. I'm obviously going to edit those out, but I need to practice not saying those words. I guess I'll see you guys not next week, but the week after. If you guys didn't know, this podcast is bi-weekly so it only happens two times in the month and I'm really glad I started it right now so that I could talk about movies for Halloween I think it's kind of the perfect timing and yeah I hope you guys enjoyed make sure to follow me on Instagram well not me but the podcast on Instagram it's just don't read into it podcast there are barely any followers but hopefully we're gonna build a movement and DM me or not me, the Instagram, um, DM the don't read into a podcast Instagram. If you would rather like email podcast does have an email. It's just don't read into it podcast at gmail.com. I'll probably be looking at the email and the Instagram a lot. I'm just going to say this now. I'm definitely going to be watching the Instagram a little bit more than the email because I have a lot of emails. I don't have a lot of notifications on Instagram though. So I'll probably be more vigilant of Instagram notifications than email notifications because I have so many other emails and it could get flooded with my school email. So just let me know on either of those platforms, but I think Instagram would probably be the easiest. Hopefully I'm going to be posting more on there and putting stuff on my story. I just don't have that many followers just yet. So I feel awkward being like, ask me questions and I only have like eight followers, you know? But anyway, I'll probably still do that because I know there's probably like two of you listening that might be engaged in the Instagram. Hi, mom. (laughs) Anyway, enjoy your Fortnite, not the game, the time, measurement. And yeah, I'll see you guys later. Bye.